Savage Podcast Rebellion back at it again here in the Super Davis McCord State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Ferry. Joining me here momentarily, Nicholas Carr. He was absent earlier this week when we recorded, but he is here now to take a deep dive into the Tucson Super Regional. Like I said, Davis McCord State Farm Studio, if you need good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis McCord and State Farm, your one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. State Farm agent Davis McCord is ready to help. Call him at 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. After you've done that, if you're looking at uh, term life insurance policies, well, we got you covered there too. Transamerica Insurance is changing the way that you look at life insurance. They were rated best term life insurance company in 2020 by Forbes. They offer 10, 20, and 30-year term life insurance catered to your individual needs. Ask about the living benefits option and get a free quote by calling Drew Moat today at 601-953-8449. He's licensed in Mississippi, Tennessee, and Texas, among others. And he can help you get started today. That's 601-953-8449. Nick, I, I, I needed a little bit of life insurance at one point uh, during the regional final. But uh, the Rebs held off Southern Miss, one twelve to 9 and have booked their ticket. Or I guess they booked it already. They are already in Tucson getting ready for the Super Regional that cranks up on Friday evening. How are we feeling? Well, we've used that ticket. Man, we could have used – uh, insurance, speaking of insurance, in games one, two, and four. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we we only won the whole weekend by what's, you know, five runs, I think, in three games, or six yeah. runs, I guess, in three games. I mean, it was, uh, it was a close weekend, man. You talk about needing insurance. The differential wasn't much. Um, but, yeah, so um, before we get into the thick of it here, uh, we were talking about it before we started. Uh, interesting uh, infrastructure a conversation that was brewing before we hit the record button. Uh, the Super Regional is at High Corbett Field uh, there in Tucson. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, or for those of you that are uh, big fans of MVP baseball, uh, 06 or 07, uh, the Wildcats did have an on-campus stadium, uh, Jerry Kendall Field at Frank Sansett Stadium. I, I hope I didn't butcher that name. Uh, but they are now at High Corbett Field. Uh, Nick, I would venture to say, um, so in 2017 was when they signed a 25-year lease at High Corbett, taking over the day-to-day management of the stadium from the city of Tucson. I would probably venture to say that they got a sweet deal on that. Yeah, something tells me they did. And I think I saw in, in the first year in the ballpark, they won the uh, national championship. So it was kind of a, a you know oh, a you win-win go. for them. Yeah, so they uh, – let's see – No, they won it all in 2012. Yeah, it was their their first year. Their last year at Sunset Stadium was 2011, correct? Uh, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. In 2017 was when they signed the lease and took over. Okay, yeah, okay. that's my fault. They, no, you're right. You nailed it. Yeah, and I was just I was looking at the ballparks. You're talking about a little bit about the field, but that's a cavernous ballpark, High Corbett. And then, and I'm actually looking at Sanset. That place was 360, 400, 460, uh, excuse me, 360 down the line. So they've played in some big parks. I don't know if it's the ball flies different out there because the thinner air. Um, I think the Diamondbacks use a humidor. I think that was kind of like a an unwritten thing a couple of years ago. No one really talked about. And then it kind of came out about three years ago that they've been doing that. So 
I don't know if it's an elevation thing or if it's just windier out there, but that's a big ballpark room you're playing in. I know you mentioned about the ball flight. I know golf balls fly a little farther out there. I've played played some golf out there. It'll it'll help you off the tee. I know that. <laughs> uh, so I I assume that uh, baseballs will be flying. But yeah, so um, that's probably. Go ahead. Uh, have you seen the dimensions? It's 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 a. Oh, the alleys are deeper than dead center. Yeah, it's a box out there in the outfield. So the alleys are left, left center is four ten. Yeah, and and right center is four oh five, and then center field is it kind of it's like a straight line across. So it's a little closer. It's only three ninety two. So it's not that crazy, but out in the alleys out there, that place is. I mean, there's acres of space. Yeah, I believe I was talking with uh, Brian Scott Rippey, friend of the program, earlier today. Um, I think he mentioned that Arizona – do they lead the country in triples? Yeah, something like that. I mean – Oh, they, they led the Pac-12 in triples. I mean, Ole Miss is not a, a triple-hitting team. And here it yeah. says they had eight triples. I think Ole Miss had, had three or, or four. Okay. Um, yeah, not – that's eight triples in conference play, excuse me. So they don't – no, I'm, I'm totally wrong. I apologize. They gave up eight triples. They hit 27 triples, and Ole Miss, oh. hit, Ole Miss hit nine triples this year. Okay. Yeah. Nine um, triples. So if, it, if if you take a poor angle, it's going to roll for a while. Um, so that's – I think that that's probably the X factor this weekend. Uh, Arizona is obviously familiar with the dimensions. They're familiar with the park. Uh, I would probably say, if I'm Carl Lafferty, Mike Clement, Mike Bianco, defensive alignment-wise, I'm probably going to be playing no doubles the entire weekend. Or, shit, I'd say no triples. But, yeah, yeah, no triples. Normally, you, normally <laughs> you play a little deeper with two outs, take away the extra base hit. But, uh, yeah, I think um, Kevin Graham, TJ McCants, and then either you know Hayden Leatherwood, John Rice Plumley, uh, Kale Sammons, whoever, whoever's in right is going to have to be taking some good angles and, and be ready to get on the horse because, um, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be key. Is um, and I'm sure that they've been working on that. They're in Tucson right now, practicing before Friday's first pitch. Um, but yeah, let's jump into it here. Uh, Ole Miss, 44 and 20, coming off the uh, regional final victory over Southern Miss, got done on Sunday. A um, little bit of tough luck having to start on Friday. I thought maybe the NCAA would throw them a bone and let them start on Saturday, get that extra day of rest. Um, but they're taking on Arizona, 43-15, and 15, regular season Pac-12 champs. Um, so let's just kind of run down the board here. Uh, what do you think of the matchup on the mound starting pitching-wise going up against Arizona? Well, I mean, uh, even without Gunnar Hoagland, I mean, man, if you told me Gunnar Hoagland was still on this team, I think I'd be looking at, at you know, StubHub right now for places in Omaha. I just – of course, we wouldn't be the 12 seed either, so it's, you know, it's a, it's kind of a you know, double-edged sword there. It wouldn't – we would probably be playing at home, but also I feel like we'd be booking our trip out there. But even still, I, I mean, I don't love what we've had – what we've gotten from Derek Diamond a lot this year, but – uh, the Arizona pitching, I don't know how much you've, you've really poured over their numbers, but it is it is abysmal. I mean, there's nothing to write home about. They had a, a 4.34 ERA overall, which is fine, a 4.89 ERA in, in, in Pac-12 play, but it's not really a very offensive conference. They have a 1.5 whip 
in conference play. 1.5. I mean, that is that's allowing a lot of guys to get on base. And as as bad as I think we we think Ole Miss Ole Miss's pitching has been in conference play, Ole Miss's is one three nine. I mean, that's you know that's an extra base runner or two a game. So I mean, that's a that's a pretty big difference. I, I think obviously Nikhazy, whatever day he goes, and I you know it was announced earlier on th- on Thursday that. Uh, Derek Diamond was going to be going the first game. Yeah, I think Nikhazy probably goes game two. Whenever he pitches, uh, whoever he pitches against, if it's Irvin or if it's Silseth uh, or, or TJ Nichols, whoever it is, he's going to have you know just a massive advantage at that point. It's just about kind of getting a wash in one of the other two games. So, yeah, I mean, the advantage on missing the mound, I mean, the, this Arizona team, they're going to hit the crap out of all they, ha- they have to because they do not pitch it well. Let me ask you a question. I know where I stand on this, and I think you're going to lean towards my end of the table on this one too. Let's say Diamond – and look, I have a sneaky suspicion that Diamond's going to going to shove. I think he's going to pitch well. He's He has good stuff. It's just been a matter of piecing it together, being consistent, um, you know, putting a complete game together on the mound. We've seen him do it time and time again. Um, but then there's also been games when he hasn't been too sharp. Um, maybe a couple ticks off, um, maybe gives up a couple extra base hits. Um, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be ready to, to perform well. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just returning to Pac-12 territory. He's from California. Maybe he'll have a chip on his shoulder. He'll want to prove Arizona and the folks in the Pac-12. Hey, you, you probably should have recruited me. Um, I don't know. I, I think that he, he can, he can perform on this stage. I don't think there's any question if he's got the stuff, but let's say he goes out, throws six or seven really good innings. The Ole Miss offense puts together some innings. They win a game five to two, five to three. You go up one, nothing, one win away from Omaha. Do you throw Doug in game two or do you hold him, give him an extra day of rest and keep him in case there's a winner take all game three? Honestly, we, we talked about it earlier. I don't know where you stand on this. So this is me going in blind. I would just go ahead and throw him game two. I just, I just think uh, he pitched a little bit on Monday, but most of his his you know innings last weekend in, in the regional came on Saturday. He's going to get a full six days, which is you know mm-hmm. as much as you can ask for if you pitch him on Saturday from when he had his last start. I just – I don't give – Arizona any confidence if you win the first game and especially if you win the game let's say seven to four and and you kind of held them down a little bit they're that's a great offensive team we're playing in Arizona and I think that they're going to be thinking wait we just scored four runs against these guys and now we got to go face that guy I I don't know that you want to give them any confidence to come out and beat you you know 12-2 and all of a sudden they're they're feeling it a little bit getting into Sunday against Doug I just I think six days is plenty I think if you can get out of there with you know whatever you use on Friday and then Doug can give you six or seven or eight on Saturday if you could possibly get to Omaha and and give you know guys like Dougherty and Diamond and Johnson and Broadway, you know, a full seven days worth of rest until they've played again on that next Saturday. I think that's more important than, you know, possibly saving Doug. And then I guess maybe you know, on the flip side, what if giving Doug 13 days off is too much? You know, I know that they can simulate games and it's not like he's going 13 days without pitching. But what if he doesn't pitch? And and what if he gets in Omaha and he's starting and he's maybe a little rusty? I, I don't know. I, I would go ahead and you know I think 
you know, uh, someone said it best earlier. I wouldn't give Arizona any opportunity to win a game. So if you can, if you've, if you're up one nothing and you got Doug, you know, sitting there on the sideline, you go ahead and throw on him. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I agree 100%. I think you keep him on that schedule, you keep him in that game two slot. He's comfortable there. Uh, it'd be more than on schedule. Like you said, he has plenty of rest. Uh, Mike Bianco said in the press conference on Thursday that he's 100%. He's ready to go whenever they need him. I think you throw him in game two. I think you keep the you, you keep the foot on the throat. You put all – I mean, all the pressure is going to be on Arizona if you win game one. They're at home. It's going to be virtually impossible for them not to be a little tight, a little nervous because they're having to stave off elimination. And if you look at the mm-hmm. schedule – and we're looking at – you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it's a podcast and, you know, we can kind of do what we want here. Um, if you get to Omaha, Omaha, the, the College World Series starts on Saturday the 19th. So that would be a full week from Saturday. Mm-hmm. And if you keep Doug in that game two spot, that would give him eight days of rest after he throws this Saturday. So I think it, it it's the smart move to throw him in game two. You keep him on schedule. And like you said, you have a ton of bullpen guys fresh and ready to go. And look, it, that's that's like the perfect – Storm. That's the perfect situation you want as an Ole Miss fan. If you win game one, you throw your All-American on Saturday. And look, if Arizona bests you, then it's, you know, hey, it doesn't, there's, I don't know, the pressure's on both teams at that point because it's winner goes to the College World Series, loser goes home. Yeah. You, you, you roll the dice and, and you throw your offense out there against their offense and you put, you know, maybe Tyler Myers out there on the mound to start, maybe Jack Doherty, and then you've got your bullpen, and, and you just kind of see, you know, the chips will fall where they may. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I would just go ahead and throw him. I'm not saving him. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the moment can be too big for Nikhazy, whether he throws going for Omaha or going to try to keep the season alive. I don't think that's going to matter. I just think that you just stay on schedule and throw him in game two. So I'm with you there. Um you did mention it a little bit uh, about the starting pitching. Um, you know, Garrett Irvin uh, was pretty damn good in the Tucson Regional. Complete game shutout over UC Santa Barbara. Um, you know, lefty, he's going to be, you know, mid to upper 80s, uh, maybe touching 90 here and there with the fastball. Um, good changeup, good slider. Um Ole Miss, I think it's a team. You probably have the stats pulled up in front of you. I feel like they hit lefties pretty well. Um, I know it's kind of one of those things where the lefty-righty matchup when Kel Baker's in, I know Kel Baker hits lefties better. So uh, you, uh, if they throw him game one, you're probably going to have Kale at first. Um, Chase Silseth, big-time arm. He's got a lot, of, uh, a lot of potential, a lot of intrigue there. A lot of people like his stuff as a future major leaguer. Um, some, you know, people say he's a little bit like Diamond. He's got really good stuff, but it's just kind of hit or miss at times. Um, but he's got big time, you know, shut down potential there. Um, and then Chandler Murphy was uh, really good in the final game. Um, one run allowed in just five innings. So, like you said, very pedestrian. They're not going to blow you away with the arms. So I think Ole Miss has the advantage. Um, on the mound with Diamond, Nikhazy, and then if you go with Myers, Drew McDaniel, Doherty, whoever, the stuff is good enough from all those guys to compete. Yeah, and I'm kind of going back over their numbers from last weekend. They scored 12 against Grand Canyon. 
Uh, I'm not sure how much of that game you watched, but they were up 7-6 going into the eighth and, and then dropped a five mm-hmm. spot. They gave up 14 hits to Grand Canyon, and, and then in the two games against Santa Barbara, uh, not exactly known for their offense, they won 4 nothing and 5-2. Santa Barbara kind of, and, and it was 2 nothing late in that Santa Barbara game, that first one, they kind of did exactly what they'd hoped they did. They they pitched it pretty well. They didn't let a ton of errors on a base runner's but they, they let some guys on base, then didn't let a ton of them score. Just giving up yeah. nine runs in the two games. I mean, you know, I, I think most – it's kind of been an offensive year. I think most most teams would, you know, accept giving up nine runs over two games in a, in a regional game two and three. Most times that's going to get you at least one win and probably two. So Santa Barbara kind of did their job, and Arizona just didn't really hit the ball that well when faced with some pretty good pitching. It was, if, if anything, Arizona's pitching kind of impressed last weekend after being bad all year. So I – I just think that, you know, I think that there, it's a lot out there. Arizona's a, not a good offense, but I, I really think that that Ole Miss is. I don't, I don't know that they'll have faced a, a pitching staff this bad on the year. I mean, like you said, Silseth, uh, the pros kind of like him. I think he's maybe a top one hundred, top one one fifty prospect in the upcoming draft. But I mean, the numbers are bad. I mean, just kind of going over. You know where he is on on the year and what he what what they've done. I, I think Silseth will is, is going to be who's going to go in the first game. Um, and, and just looking over his numbers, I mean a one three four whip. Got t- teams have hit two seventy against him. I mean, he, you know he he he's pretty good and not not putting guys on base with free passes. But I don't know. I like where Ole Miss is. I, they're going to have to out hit him. You mentioned earlier about you know getting to a game three. That's just kind of where you lay your offense out there on the table. But you know, from from a an Arizona pitching standpoint, I mean, I think Ole Miss is going to really have to like where they are. I I tend to agree there. Um, the stuff is good enough from everybody that Ole Miss can can roll out there to grab the ball to start a game. Um, staying with the pitching, uh, going towards the bullpen here, um, I think that. This is is kind of a toss up with who it favors. Um, you know, Arizona um, two two five ERA in twenty innings from Preston Price. Um, he's been battling some injuries. He's healthy now. Uh, Vince Vanelli, Randy Absher, and Dawson Nets are all solid options. Um, Nate Yeski, who was on the the Oregon Eight staff uh, when they won a national title, he's their pitching coach. He's done a nice job this year. Um, so you've got those guys that they can roll out there late in the game to try to seal one out. Um, but look, I would say without hesitation, Taylor Broadway is probably in the conversation. He might, he might even just be the conversation for best closer in, in, in Ole Miss program history um, past uh, Stephen head uh, for a single season uh, saves record already this year. He's just been absolutely lights out. Um, his fastball is as good as it's ever been. The slider is just a complete wipeout pitch. It just completely disappears. Hitters don't even see it. Um, he's been hit somewhat, but he's so good at challenging people with the fastball. He can move on both sides of the plate, whether it's a righty or a lefty. He can get inside on either side. Um, and then, like I said, the slider is just an absolute um, – just uh, it, it's so nasty. Um but I don't know. It, I don't. I don't know where you see this edge here. But I, I like what Ole Miss has on the back end with Broadway, and then you know they got some nice setup guys. If if they're not starting in game three, I mean you could roll Doherty, Myers. Um, I mean Kimbrel has 
been kind of a bright spot in the postseason. Um, he's had some good innings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one's this one's kind of a toss up because Arizona's got some arms. Yeah, there's there's some depth over there on that side. But you, you talk about Broadway, and you, you said he got hit a little bit. I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. He he earlier in the year was getting tattooed a little bit. He struggled against Arkansas twice. Really, he he mm-hmm. was good down at MSU, but gave up some hits. He was downright not great versus LSU um, uh, in his first appearance, and then and he struggled a little bit at Texas A&M. Since then, I'm going through it. He's got uh, I think 11 innings and six hits and one run. No, excuse me. 14 innings, six hits, and one run since Ooh. that since that Texas A&M appearance. And that's against Vanderbilt, Georgia three times, uh, Auburn, Florida State, USM, and CMOS. I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's not nobodies. It's, it's teams that have made the tournament and, and yeah. teams that were in the tournament. I mean, he has been – he was good earlier in the year, but, to, but he was kind of the best of not great options out of that bullpen. And – in the last month of the season, since you know the ninth of of May, he has been as dominant of a closer as I can remember. I mean, he is not putting guys on base. And if you look at the strikeouts, you know he's he's striking out two in an inning against Georgia. He's striking out three in two innings against FSU. Three in two innings against Southern Miss. Uh, all the while putting one or two guys on base at, at most in those appearances. I mean, he is. I don't know that he's allowed more than you know two base runners in in, an appearance in a month. I mean, the guy's been outstanding. So I think that having him on the back end, it's a three-game series. I don't guess you can go to him all three games, but you can probably go to him twice. And Mm. I think you're going to go to him if you've got a lead. And I think – you know, you're, Ole Miss is not quite using him like uh, Arkansas uses cops, but it's it's not all that far off. And I think if you know if you get to a game one and you're up, you know, seven to, to to five late in the game, maybe even in the sixth inning, I think you go to Broadway and you get the win. You know what I mean? If you burn him, you burn him. But it, this is a super regional. If you can go grab a win with Broadway on on game one, you do it. So yeah, Arkansas's you know, got some depth, but I really like what Ole Miss has put together. Um, it's kind of funny if you looked at the roster back in, you know, late March or early April and you looked at who was in the bullpen and, and you know, you thought, well, man, how is this bullpen ever going to be anything? And then you go look at it now and it's 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 totally different faces. It's guys that kind of came on late in the year. I mean, where was Johnson, you know, six weeks ago? Dowdy was redshirted up yeah. until about seven weeks ago. I hadn't so, even mentioned Brandon Johnson yet. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's guys that, that didn't even hardly. It's not that they weren't great early in the year; they weren't even playing earlier in the year. So, yeah. there's it's it's quietly become like a decent bullpen. And if if you and that's not even factoring in Broadway. I mean, if, if you factor in Broadway, just because of how dominant he's been, the bullpen numbers become pretty good over the last six weeks. Yeah, and it, it, look, I mean, Ole Miss has got some guys that can run out there that can can throw some can throw some numbers up on a heat sheet. Um, oh, yeah. you know what, you know what Broadway can do. Brandon Johnson's been anywhere from 96 to 98 at times. And look, I'll tell you this. It's not just guys that just throw hard. Um, they compete. Uh, a lot of the, you know, it's one thing to be able to throw a fastball and, 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 you know, get, get up there in the, in the high nineties, but it's another thing to, to be able to compete and to be able to locate. Um, and that's what they've been able to do. I mean, Broadway, we've already talked about him. Darty has shown that he can come out of the pen. He can start a game. Uh, and then Johnson, you know, was, was lights out in Athens. Um, he was good in Hoover. Uh, I think they need to give him an opportunity. But 
before we transition to offense on the other side, after we take our break, I do want to, you know, bring this up and get your thoughts in game one. I think if, who, if diamond has gotten to where you're in a position, sixth, seventh inning, you have a lead. And, and I think Mike Bianco is on the same page here because he's kind of been using the bullpen a little bit differently in the postseason. I think you absolutely, if there's any sign of Diamond starting to lose it or maybe Arizona gets a guy or two on, I think you go to Broadway immediately and go ahead and try to get that you know five, six out save and slam the door because you know as well as I do, you might have a stat ready for this, but if you win game one of a super – whatever the statistic is, I guarantee you it's a pretty high percentage that you get to Omaha. And I know Ole Miss fans have, you know, seen it time and time again where you win game one of a Super and you don't win the Super and you don't go to Omaha. But I think the numbers and the analytics support it to where if you can get game one and you've got Broadway up and he's hot in the bullpen, bring him in because you've got to get that first win. No, there's no doubt. You You can't get the second one until you get the first one. That's a, no, you can't. No one's ever won a super regional by winning just one game. I mean, that's a fact. But it, it, there's there's two things there. I mean, there's we've Ole Miss is we we know how Ole Miss's record when being up one nothing in super regionals is bad. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. literally over, isn't it? I mean, the only time we won one was yep. when we lost the Back first door. one. Yeah, but never before did we have a guy like Doug Nikhazy go in a game two. So right. if we if we're up one nothing. I mean, I mean I don't, I, again, I hate to start counting chickens here, but you feel really good with Doug Nikhazy needing just one more game. And, and, and the second thing is, during the, during the regular season, when I know it's a 30-game season in the SEC and I know it's a three-game weekend, which potentially this one could only be, be just two, even still, the, the mindset has always been, and I think it's, it's this way across the league, anytime you can get a win, you go get it. You know, if it's a Friday night – you know, oh, do you do you burn your closer for seven outs? Yeah, if you can get a win in this league, you go grab it. You know what I mean? Because you don't you don't sit there with your best guys on the bench. Because what if what if you don't go grab it with Broadway? You lose, and then Doug loses three two the next day, and you didn't use Broadway. Or you over. Him. Yeah, it's done with. So you know, this is a on the front end. You got to think of it as a two game series until you lose a game. Then you're starting thinking about three games. But right mm-hmm. now, if you have a chance to win a game. I mean, heck, even if it's like no outs in the sixth, I mean, I use Dom, if it's a close game, I use Diamond for as much as you can, get the win on Friday, and then we'll use Doug and whoever to get a win on, on, on Saturday, and then we'll go from there. But, you know, going into this thing, it's a two game set if you're on yeah. miss. You know, and, until you lose that first game, your mindset's to go two and oh, your mindset's never to go two and one. So if you can get a win anytime, you go get it. Yeah, I like what you said there. I think you absolutely have to approach this weekend as a two-game series. You cannot look at it as a three-game series. And I know that that's – look, it, you have to look at it. The mindset has to be we're here to win two and pack our bags. Yeah. Go back, reset, get to Omaha. That's how you have to, that's how you have to approach it. You can't – I've always been – you throw your best guy if your best guy is available. And at that point in the game, Broadway is your best guy because – you got to win the one the next day and your other best guys, Doug Nikhazy. So yeah. you're saving him for game two. So yeah, we're on the same page there. So absolutely. All right. We're going to take our break on the other side. When we come back, we are going to talk about the offenses, talk numbers, where the edge is and uh, 
what these pitchers are going to have to do to slow these bats down. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, Just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. 
And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Podcast Rebellion, Super Regional Preview, Tucson. All right, Nick, Ben and I talked about it a little bit earlier this week. Um, just looking at sheer numbers here, Arizona swings it about as good as anybody. Um, not your prototypical Pac-12 team. Um, kind of built offensively like an SEC team. Um, they really hit in the gaps. Uh, extra base hits. Uh, top to bottom, one through nine. There really is no weak spot here. Um, I don't know how, how deep you've gone into their offense, but, um, man, it is just absolutely loaded. I mean, yeah, it looks like video game numbers. You mentioned MVP baseball, 2007, miss yeah. what that looks like. I mean, they are, you know, we played a USM team that was pretty good at the top of the order. Uh, we played mm-hmm. a, a Vanderbilt team that I thought was pretty good at the top of the order, but there were some outs there. You know, there there were some guys that you could get out. This this Arkansas, I mean, excuse me, this Arizona team. Well, that's like an, almost like an Arkansas Super Juice team. I mean, they are they're very good at the plate. I mean, just looking over the numbers in three twenty seven, uh, OPS overall is nine thirty one, but the OPS in conference is actually uh, up a tick. I think it's um. Let's see if we can get to it. The OPS in what the OPS in conference is nine eleven, which Ooh. you know compared to Ole Miss is a, I think at eight forty four. It's it's a that's a pretty big you know. Pretty big jump. I mean, that is a really good hitting team, and they just—I mean, it's 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 everybody. I mean, they go, you know, they've got one, two, three, eight guys hitting above three hundred five uh, in in overall this year that qualify. Uh, I mean, they're they're as deep of a team as we'll have faced. I mean, every single guy is going to be a tough out. I I've not watched a ton of their games. I watched them at Santa Barbara, and honestly, they had a lot of hits, but didn't but didn't have a ton of runs. It was was almost a little sleepy, and, and I'm wondering if maybe, um, you know, maybe they just kind of did exactly what they needed to do to win the series. But, but these guys are going to battle; they're going to be tough outs. I, I, I worry a little bit about Nikhazy and, and his pitch count uh, because we know that Nikhazy's, you know, a guy who's I don't want to say struggled at times with pitch count, but it's gotten up there in the past, mm-hmm. and that's been the reason he's, you know, having to throw 120 pitches for seven innings. It's it's mm-hmm. you know. He's still good, but the pitch counts have been out there, so that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, I will, I will say, I don't, I hate to, you know, traditionally the Pac-12 is pretty pitcher laden. I didn't see that this year. I don't think that they had quite the, the the studs on the mound that they had in years past, and maybe, maybe that's why this Arizona team is slugging the way they were because because the Pac-12 didn't have quite the pitching. So I don't know. I, I mean, it's hard to put it in context when they've got. Four guys hitting above 350, that's just good, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something that it, it jumps off the page. I mean, there's no there's no way around it. Um, 
it's a team that, uh, like I said, top to bottom, um, really mature approach from everybody. They work counts. They're, they're tough outs. They're not going to help you out. Um, it's almost uh, maybe this is a little recency bias because I just finished uh, reading Moneyball. But it's a lot of guys that are going to, you know, have that Scott Hatterberg approach. They're not going to chase first pitches. They're going to work counts. Um, you know, Jacob Berry, the freshman, leads the team 357, 15 home runs, 64 ribbies, slugging 679. Uh, Dante Williams is kind of the flashy guy in center field. Um, really good athlete, can hit for power, can steal some bases. If he gets on, you got to keep your eye on him. Dunhurst is going to be busy um, if he gets on first. Um, but look, I mean, it, you just run down the list. I mean, Brandon Bossier uh, is really good. Ryan Holgate has some big time power. Uh, Kobe Cato, um, along with Barry, both really young hitters, but um, both of them combined for 73 walks this season, which mm. is impressive. Um, Daniel Suzak um, played really well in conference play. Uh, and then a guy that really came on in the regional. I watched some of their games late at night, um, stayed up, you know, threw some coffee on. But uh, Tanner Otrimba, uh, the Texas Tech transfer, only hit 288 on the year, but uh, had a chance to hit for the cycle in one of their games in the uh, Tucson Regional. So, uh, it, it, and I believe, if, I don't remember the exact date, but that day when he started his quest for the cycle was the first time that he had a hit in a game since April. <laughs> so, um, you yeah, know, it's only it's got 10 it, hits on the year. Yeah, and, and there was probably seven or eight of those were in the regional. Um, so they've got some guys getting hot at the right time. Um, but look, I mean, 327 average as a team. I mean, that's impressive. Um, like you said, I don't know how good the arms, I haven't looked at conference statistics for arms in the PAC 12, but I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that I think Ole Miss faced better arms in the sec than Arizona faced in the PAC 12. Um, flipping the lineup card over, looking at Ole Miss, I mean, what can you say? Um, was the number one offense in the SEC pretty much all year? I don't know where they stand going into the Super Regional, but um, I mean, the revenge tour of Tim Elko has been a, a sight to behold. Um, mm. The legend continues to grow. Uh, regional MVP on one ACL. It, it's just been absolutely insane. Um, I, I did see a couple quotes. Uh, D1 Baseball put up some anonymous quotes from coaches. And uh, this was interesting, and I want to get your thoughts on this. There was a – I don't know if it was diff- – I don't know if it was one coach giving all these quotes or if it was different coaches, but uh, there was one that stood out to me. Um, the quote was, uh, quote, Ole Miss, it's all about the first guy in the lineup getting some momentum. If the leadoff man gets on base, then the rest of the Ole Miss offense gets going. You just have to get the leadoff man out. That was That was interesting. I don't know if that's referring to the first inning or just in general. Um, I, I, you I, you probably have the stats pulled up. I don't know what Ole Miss hits as a team with uh, runners on or runners in scoring position, but um, and, and I don't know if it's just something that I read and was like, huh, that's probably right. But that was an interesting quote that I read about the Ole Miss offense. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's something to that. I mean, I, I, I at times when we struggled offensively, and and maybe man, it, you know, you sit at the ballpark and you watch a team struggle offensively <clears> and. All of a sudden, you know the 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 pretzels are cold, and the the you know the beer didn't taste as good. It's the 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 entire experience is is not as fun when you're not hitting. So maybe that's a little bit of it. But there have been times throughout this year where I thought 
that we didn't have good at bats. And I kind of thought that against Southern Miss towards the end of that, that first game is that it's one thing to not be getting runs or maybe not be getting guys to third. But at times it feels like you're going up there, you know, swinging at bad pitches or you're not letting them throw you a strike when the guy maybe has had some command issues. And at times I thought I, we will have some bad at bats and it's kind of contagious. It's, it's, you know, a guy leads off with a bad at bat and then the next guy pops up first pitch. And then, you know, next thing you know, we're back on the mound and you didn't, you didn't give whoever was on the mound for us, you know, mm-hmm. time and all to breathe. So I, I could see that a little bit as, you know, if Ole Miss can get that leadoff guy on and they're tough and, and, and if Ole Miss can get those seven, eight, nine guys on with, you know, and come up to the, to, to play, you know, if Gonzalez or McCants or, or Bench or Chatagnier, whoever's towards the top of the lineup can come up with, with less than two outs. It's a really good offense. I mean, really, really good. I don't. I don't think we give Jacob Gonzalez enough, you know, good enough enough credit for how good he's been. Um, and and when he comes up with guys on base, I mean, the guy is just is is, is unbelievable for a leadoff guy to be. I think he's third on the team. Um, you know, behind guys like Kevin Graham and Tim Elko and RBI. It tells you a lot about what he does situationally. If, if you know, mm-hmm. if Leatherwood or Kel Baker or Ben Van Cleve or whoever can get on base ahead of him, the guy's got a lot of RBI. I mean, he's really, really good. So, uh, you know, this Ole Miss offense has been—it's been something, man. It really has been. And when when Elko's hitting like he was last weekend, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's not a team that steals a ton of bases. Ole Miss only has forty-one stolen on the year, so it's not like it's. Oh well, if they get on first, they're turning a walk or a single into a double. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of the hitting can get contagious in this lineup. It is, it is. Where, yeah, like you, you, whether it's Gonzalez leading off, Chatagnier, McCants, it, you get that first guy on, and it just starts to slowly pile on. It starts to snowball. But you mentioned Gonzalez, and look, I, I think he's got as good of a case for freshman of the year as anyone. He leads the team with a 351 average. He started every game at shortstop, 10 home runs, 51 RBIs, 13 doubles, slugging 530, on-base percentage of 439. I mean, it, it it's been an adventure at times in the field, but that's that comes with the territory of being a true freshman and playing shortstop where you're getting probably the most opportunities to make a play outside of catcher in first base. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy has just been absolutely elite as a freshman, it's wild. Um, going down the list here, I mean, a guy that it, it's still, you know, we tweet about it all the time and make jokes, but it really is just an absolute war crime that Kevin Graham did not make a single all SEC team. He's hitting 344. He's got 14 bombs, 55 RBIs, 572 slugging. Um, I mean, he's, he's only behind Tim Elko in slugging and, and that just saying that sentence is hilarious. Um, I mean, the guy's got 14 home run, 55 RBI. He's second on the team in OPS 993 and, you know, behind a guy who, who you know, you know, if it's Tim Elko, he, he's swinging for the fences when he comes up there. Yeah. So naturally he's going to hit some home runs. I mean, he's hitting home runs. It, of course Graham's going to be second behind him. And yeah. and he didn't make any all-SEC teams. I mean, the, the, the guy's probably the best all-around hitter on the best offense in the SEC. I'm not sure what else you could do. Yeah, and look, this is a team um, that's hit 82 home runs this year. But look, it, desert air, maybe the ball flies a little bit more. Maybe some of those home runs are, are knocked off the wall for doubles or they're in the gap for triples, uh, depending on who is hitting it. Um, 
I'll say this. If Tim Elko hits a triple this weekend, whatever beverage that I have, I will stone cold that shit all over my face. <laughs> um, cause that would be hilarious. But, um, look, I, there's some weak spots in the lineup. You know, Kale Baker's had his struggles at time this year. There's, there's no getting around that. Uh, Hayden Dunhurst and TJ McCants have been slumping a little bit, but look, the talent's still there. I, I think as a true freshman in the postseason, and look, this is not me besmirching his his 2021 campaign at all because he's been tremendous. He's an all all SEC freshman. I think McCants has been pressing a little bit. Yeah, maybe trying to do, maybe trying to do too much at times. I think you know. Look, when you play baseball, when you're slumping, no one knows you're slumping more than the guy that's actually slumping. He knows that he's struggling. He's trying to right the wrong. Um, I look for McCants to come out this weekend and to play well. Uh, whether that's, you know, I don't know if he'll be all all super regional team or if he's just going to put together some good at bats. I think he started to put together some really good at bats in the regional. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it didn't result in hits, but again, this might be the money ball thing coming out since I just finished the book, but. <laughs> He had some quality at bats, some really he, good QA. He hit the ball hard too a couple times. Yeah. And look, Dunhurst is another guy. This is his first full season. I mean, played last year, COVID shortened, only played 17 games. This is his first full season. And somebody mentioned this. It might have been on a message board or maybe it was a text. Dunhurst has literally played every game. Yeah. Or not every game, but he started 62 games out of the 64. Knox the Posser is not really giving him – he's not coming in to relieve him a lot. I mean, they pretty much put it – put it's all out there for Dunhurst. Like, you're our guy. You're the hoss. You're the leader behind the plate. And, look, maybe he's a little fatigued. He got a little nice week break after the regional. A little, re, you know, get some sustenance, refresh. Um, but he's been great. I mean, he's been as good as anybody in the country behind the plate. Um and then look, you've got big power potential everywhere else. I mean, Justin Bench has hit seven home runs. Um, Leatherwood has seven. Dunhurst has hit seven. Chatney's had five. He was slumping a little bit. He's starting to come around a little bit more. Um, and then Kale Baker, despite all the struggles, he's hit five home runs. So um, this is an Ole Miss team that if you make a mistake and you put it somewhere where they can hit it and do something with it, they're really going to try to elevate and separate and celebrate. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to this matchup because, like you said, Arizona is not going to blow you away with pitching, and this Ole Miss offense was from start to finish the best in the SEC. Yeah, and I, you, you talk about Dunhurst a little bit. I think if um if, if if Bianco and Lafferty had it to do all over again, I think they might give him a few more rest days during the middle of the week. <clears throat> I mean, of course, it, you know when you're playing USM or MSU in the midweek like we normally do, you've got to play him. But, I mean, Knox Deposit's only got eight starts on the year. I, I think that that's entirely too low. Mm-hmm. And, and, heck, you might have had one or two of those at DH or something early in the year. I mean, it, it's, it, it's you know, Dunhurst has, has started entirely too many games behind the plate. And I, I think that the coaching staff, you know, if you, if you really leveled with them, I think would probably tell you next year maybe they want to give him an extra game or two off, you know, in the midweek, early in the year, especially – it's a long season, man. I mean, this guy's, you know, you said he game started for, for Dunhurst is 62. He hasn't caught 62 games of baseball in, uh, you know, this short of a time span his entire life. So yeah. I, I think that that's showing a little bit. And, and I think that that 
it naturally carries over to the plate. I mean, it's tough, but yeah, I mean, the, the offense it comes at you from all angles. Uh, with Leatherwood, we talked about him a little bit. He's he's streaky down there at the bottom of the lineup. But do you remember how good he was starting that Arkansas series, heading into MSU? It was great against Vanderbilt. He a, didn't he have a five for five game against the Hogs? I think so. I mean, it, at one point he was like. He was unconscious. Yeah, he was like 16 of 29. And, and it, this wasn't against Auburn and, and Alabama. This was against Florida and Arkansas and MSU and Vanderbilt and LSU. I mean, it was against really good teams. He was slugging something like, you know, 1.3 or something. I mean, it was just killing the ball. So, you know, he's a guy that if he gets hot, man, he could have three or four home runs this weekend. I mean, I don't, that's nothing for a guy like Hayden Leatherwood. And, and I feel like. You know, you need you just you're going to need someone like him or someone like Kale Baker to have a good weekend to, to probably go out there and out hit Arizona, and, and he could do it. I mean, like mm-hmm. like I said, the lineup comes at you from all angles, so uh, this is going to be a great series. I, I it's not the best matchup I suppose we could have gotten in in the super regional round, but it's a pretty good matchup. I mean, you know, a team that can hit well like Arizona, and you've got a, a pitcher who's just been dominant all year in Doug Nikhazy. I mean, you got to like your matchup. No matter what, we're going to have the better offense, you know, the, the, the opportunity to win that game. So you just got to win one of the other two. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a really good matchup. I mean, you know, I, like you mentioned earlier, Nikhazy's not going to shy away from the, from the bright lights. I mean, he didn't when he went to Fayetteville two years ago in that super regional. He hadn't all year. So I, I, I kind of like where we are. I mean, I, I've just looking at it like, Super regionals in the past, and I feel this one's pretty winnable. It is, and you know, you talk about the draw not being, um, you know, too gracious. Arizona's a really good ball club; they were really good all year. Regular season champs in the Pac-12. You want to talk about the margin for error? Ole Miss getting the 12 seed, getting paired up with Arizona. If they maybe win an extra game during the regular season, maybe they get to the championship in, in Hoover. They're the 11 overall seed. You're playing at Swayze Field this weekend against Dallas Baptist. Yeah. Or flip side, you lose a you lose one of those games in Hoover, or you lose a series during the regular season. If you're the 13 overall, then you're in Nashville, having to face Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter again. <laughs> I, I, I think if you had your choice there, you're 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 okay with playing Arizona. Yeah. Um, because, look, this is a team, this is a program in Arizona that's that's not yeah. – look, they've won a national title in the last, you know, whatever, decade. But they haven't played a ton of Super Regionals, and they haven't played a ton at home. And I think subconsciously it's always in the back of your mind when you're the home team in the postseason that that pressure is just slowly creeping in and slowly building that you have to perform. It's not going to be a huge crowd. Ole Miss is – I don't think they're going to be affected by that at all. Um, all due respect to the Wildcat faithful. Um, I think they kind of top out at 5,000. I think that might be the biggest crowd they've had this year. So it's not going to be a raucous environment. It's not going to be like 2019 when you're at Bomb Stadium mm-hmm. and there's 13,000 people there. So it, it's it's time to lock in. And you just got to win two. You got to win two. And then you make it to Omaha. And then you just kind of have fun. And by that point, everybody's good, and you just do what you can. So, um, I don't know about you. We can throw out predictions here, Nick. I, I kind of – my gut tells me that this goes three games. Um, 
I would probably say Arizona might have a slight edge game one um, just so the mound matchup and um, might be a tight one. I think Doug Nikhazy comes out, wins game two, and then I think game three is a swing day. I think it's a sweepstakes. I think it's going to be a big offensive day, and uh, and that's fine if you're Ole Miss. You have a good offense, so you just see what happens. Oh, man, I, I don't know. It, it's it's so tough. I mean, looking at their offensive numbers, they're really good. My hope is that they're a little bit artificially inflated because they're facing some teams that aren't very good. Like Utah, USC wasn't very good this year. Uh, Arizona State was fine. Uh, just not not as much pitching as, as normal out there in the pack. That's just my hope. Uh, I kind of I, I kind of think Ole Miss takes it in two. I I, I think that this first game is going to be something in like the nine seven ten eight range. Uh, and I think if you can give you know Diamond and Broadway and Johnson you know eight or nine runs, I think I think that they're going to win. And then I mm-hmm. think game two is, is you know it's Doug Day. And I think if we lose one of those first two and then, you know, get ready because Sunday night could be a five-hour one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, look, I, I, we haven't mentioned this, but I'll, I'll say it. Even if game two gets a little squirrely, I think that it, it's not going to, you know, when I say squirrely, I mean Arizona puts some runs up on Doug. If Ole Miss can answer and keep them in the game, those high leverage situations, there's nobody you want on the mound other than number 26. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's 5 nothing Ole Miss or if it's 5-5 five, five in the six. Doug is going to compete the same way. So I think that even if it gets to where, you know, maybe you're in that situation where it's like, all right, we just need to get one or two insurance runs and then we can go to the pin and try to close this thing out or push to a game three. I don't think it's going to affect the starter when it's Nikhazy out there. He's going to – he's done it his whole career. He's going to compete regardless. I don't think that that's going to be a thing where, like we said, the stage is not going to be too big for a guy like that. So, look, I, you're almost kind of playing with house money in game one because you know mm-hmm. what you've got in the holster for game two. No, that's exactly right. I mean, and then I think they, that'll give the guys some confidence, and, I, and maybe that's why they're doing it, to say, hey, go out. You guys be, you know, be air-free. Do whatever you need to do in game one, and, and, and you know, we'll have Doug here for game two. So, Maybe that'll open them up some, and 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 the offense, you know, was slumping a little bit at times, kind of the last two or three weeks of the season. So uh, maybe that USM, you know, game two, those those couple innings, the, the grand slams out of Elko, maybe those were get right games. So I, I sure hope so. Yeah, I mean, could be, you know, could be looking at a team of destiny here. The Elko thing is wild. Um, oh, it's that's unbelievable. They had every opportunity to lay down or or to give up after losing that first one to Southern Miss, and then all the demons creeping back in with, oh, you're going to lose another home regional. No, the team came out slugging, <laughs> hit Southern Miss in the mouth. They held them off late. Could be a team that that just finds a way to get to Omaha. So it's going to be fun regardless. I'm excited. I like this matchup. It's going to be good baseball. Um, eight... Eight nine eight local eight, nine, time. Eight. That's right. Yeah. So it'll be the nightcap. So uh, you know, pace yourself if you're uh, if you're drinking alcoholic beverages and uh, have some coffee ready because it's going to be some late ones. But uh, did we miss anything, Nick? I think we got it all covered. No, I don't think so. I mean, this is a good weekend of baseball with uh, you know, there's eight super regionals, eight teams getting to go to Omaha. So it's a heck of a weekend overall. 
All right, so real quick, we'll run through the uh, the other Super Regionals um, lightning round here. Um, let's run through them as I pull the schedule up. We'll pick some winners to make it to TD Ameritrade. All right, first one, Fayetteville Super Regional. Number one, Arkansas taking on NC State. Who you got? I mean, that, that NC State team looked good last weekend in Ruston. Really, really good. Probably, I think- probably the hottest team right now outside yeah. of Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks really good. I, I feel, kind of feel bad for Louisiana Tech. They got they got steamrolled, honestly, in, in their own regional yeah. by the NC State. But uh, I think Arkansas, but I'm going to say in three games. Okay, I'm going to go NC State. Yeah, I, that, that's, a, that's I, a really good series. Maybe Kevin Copps proves me wrong and throws 200 pitches in three days. Yeah, um, right. uh, Keith Law might need to turn his TV off. but They might start um, him like a softball pitcher. Yeah, yeah, they might. Yeah, he's just throwing underhand by game three. I think NC State's good enough to beat beat Arkansas. I think Arkansas is they've been shaky all year with starting pitching. Wicklander's good. They have cops on the back end, but I think the Wolfpack can get them. All right, Nashville Super Regional number four, Vandy number thirteen, ECU. I'll answer real quick here. I think Vandy sweeps into easy. Yeah, it's a Vandy sweep. I mean, I I think this ECU team's pretty good, but I don't think that. Uh, this is just enough combo of lighter and rocker not giving up enough runs for ECU to be the one of them. Rocker's a different animal in the postseason. Uh, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna bat. They won't have an answer. Lubbock Super Regional number eight Texas Tech number nine Stanford. Maybe this one goes three. I'm still going Red Raiders here. Yeah, I think the same thing. I don't. I mean, I don't know a ton about the Stanford team. I know they've got a good ace. Um, I, I lean Texas. They Tech. had to fight. They had to fight tooth and nail to stave off UC Irvine to get uh, here. Yeah, yeah. That Irvine team surprised me in how well they did out in, out in Palo Alto. But yeah, give me Texas Tech. I feel like they're always winning that super regional. It's it's played in the middle of the day. It looks like it's played on the surface of the sun out yeah. in Lubbock. I mean, but yeah, oh, give me Texas. Tech. And they're all and they're all day games too. Oh, it's every game's at like two o'clock, and they play on turf field, so you can never really it never really looks right. On your television? Yeah. yeah, Texas Tech. All right, Austin, super. You want to talk about somebody with a horseshoe up their ass. Texas gets South Florida after getting Tennessee Tech a couple years ago. We all know why. Um, I'm going Longhorns. Man, you want to talk about a team that just looks completely night and day different. Yeah. They looked absolutely deer in the headlights in the opening weekend against Ole Miss. That lineup looked very, very shaky. They are playing as good as anybody right now. I'm going Longhorns, hook them in two. They were terrible, Arlington. I mean, just terrible. But I didn't realize at the time, so early in the year, but apparently they were starting seven underclassmen in the field. So Mm -hmm. just a ton of of young guys. And I don't mean COVID underclassmen. I mean underclassmen, Uh, freshmen. Trues. Yeah, Yeah. either true freshmen or COVID freshmen. I mean, you're one and two guys. Yeah. They were really starting some young guys, and they've really kind of come along. And they're getting a you know the only four seed to advance this year or last year. Yeah, that's Texas and two easy ones. I'm talking like eight nothing and fifteen to four tied. Yeah, Knoxville, number three Tennessee. You want to talk about team of destiny? Oof. Taking on LSU, man. I think this one goes three games, but I think Tennessee gets there. I think Tennessee is really good. Yeah, I think Tennessee's really good too. This is not one I I won't watch a pitch. I don't like either team. Um, I think Tennessee probably wins, 
would it surprise me if LSU wore their yellow jerseys and everyone started talking about their accents and and you know yeah. the spellings of their last names and and won the all series the, all, the, all the food they cook and yeah, yeah yeah oh man they travel well and they came up here and they got the guy that yells go tigers and I just not none of that would surprise me um, I'd probably lean Tennessee but again don't expect me to watch a pitch yeah Starkville Super this one has has some firework potential. Number 10, Notre Dame, they were pretty pissed about not getting in that top eight, taking on the number seven Bulldogs. Uh, I've gone back and forth on this one. I think it goes three games. I think Mississippi State gets it done. That, all right. that, that, that lineup is really good. Yeah. I'll you know, make all the jokes you want about his pants. Tanner Allen is a hell of a player, has a chance to win the National Player of the Year. Um, if it wasn't for Kevin Copps, uh, I think this one is an absolute brawl. Yeah, the Notre Dame team's good. I mean, they really are. It's weird to me how the like, different. Do you real quick? I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, do you, yeah. How many home runs did Notre Dame hit in the regional? Do you know the number? I do know the number. Do you, do you know the number? I don't, but I know hit, it's a lot. In three games, twenty-six at, at bats, I believe, fifty runs and fifteen home runs. Oh my God! Yeah, which oh, is the ball just, flies at, at the dude too. I mean, it really does, especially this time of year. The you know the wind coming out of the southwest, but I, it's it's weird the difference. Notre Dame, like Notre Dame football, is like the worst fans. I mean, just awful. They're just insufferable. I mean, you know, we got committees on college football playoffs co- featuring commissioners, commissioners, and then Notre Dame's athletic director. I mean, it's they're awful. But then in baseball, yeah, I just don't really mind them. I mean, they don't. And they play on a gross turf field, but I don't really know anything about them. They wear green pants sometimes. I don't really care either one way or another. So it's not, you know, normally if MSU was playing Notre Dame in football, I, it would just be a game I wouldn't watch. But, you know, in baseball, I don't, it don't, really, don't really bother me. I, this Notre Dame team, though, they hit the ball and they kind of seem balanced. I mean, they, they seem like they've got some pitching. I just think that MSU is too much at home. You know, they're going to have a lot of guys, you know, in – their their MSU get up there and doing you know well, I don't know whatever they do it whatever it is they do in Starkville yeah I, I just I I'd take MSU in three uh, just because Notre Dame you know coming down south may not have quite enough uh, hitting to keep up with MSU but I mean they looked good last weekend and um, I just I'm, I'm excited for those players from Notre Dame to get to play at uh, the Carnegie Hall of college baseball. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned you know Notre Dame having a terrible fan base for football. Well, it's good that it'll balance it out because they're going to a place that has just a fantastic fan base for baseball. Yeah, the best um, fans of baseball. Yeah. All right. Last one, Columbia Super Regional. This is so stupid that they're not playing it in Texas. Um, Virginia Wahoo Wah taking on Dallas Baptist. I'm going with somewhat of an upset here. I guess you could say it's two three seeds going at it. I'm going Dallas Baptist here. Dallas Baptist. Uh, ran through the Fort Worth Regional. Um, they lost one game to, to Oregon State in the final, and then blew them out in the in the in the winner take all. I think this Dallas Baptist team is just—they've been building for this. Um, I, I mean, they've been—I'm pulling it up now. Um, Dan Heefner has been there 14 years. Uh, say what you want about how they benefit from SMU not having a baseball program. But since he's been there, 
Uh, let's see. Wikipedia is failing me here because they don't have this year's record. I was going to throw out some records for you. All right, here we go. He's been at Dallas Baptist since 2008, but since 2014, they've won 40 games, 46 games, 44 games, 42 games, 42, 43. They won 12 in the post uh, the pandemic shortened season. They're 40 and 16 this year. They've made a regional every year that Heefner's been there. Now they're in a super regional. I think they get it done. I think Virginia's running on fumes. They barely got by Old Dominion. I think that DBU gets it done. Yeah, this is the dumbest series of all time that they're playing it like a, what I think it's about 350 miles from Virginia and then about 1,200 miles from DBU. I mean, it's so stupid that they wouldn't play a, a super regional, which consists of two teams at one of the parks where they've played two team series all year. I, it's just, it, it's so dumb. There's going to be nobody there. But yeah, I think DBU, I think it'd be really cool to see them in Omaha. Um, they are not on the Ole Miss side, so maybe not quite as cool as if we were going to see them, you know, in the first round or something up there. But yeah. I don't know, Virginia. This is a tough, tough regional they won. I mean, they they battled all the way back out of the losers bracket. I think they lost their first game and had to win four straight. But not only that, they had to do it over the you know a pretty long weekend. So I, maybe that takes a toll on them. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I just think I think Dallas Baptist is the better team. Virginia is probably going to run out of a uh, run out of gas, but um, whoever makes it to Omaha, it's going to be fun. Uh, we certainly hope that Ole Miss makes it, um, but uh, that's going to do it for podcast rebellion, uh, super regional preview edition. We'll be back hopefully next week with uh, another podcast to, uh, to preview more baseball games, but uh, nevertheless, we'll be back. Um, thanks to Nick. Thanks to you, the listener for joining. Thanks to all the lovely sponsors that make this show possible. Till next time, for Nick, I'm Zach. This is Podcast Rebellion. Thanks for listening. We out.